let's stand and praise the King of Kings. Let's glorify the name that is above every other name. This wonderful Sunday morning, it's a little chilly outside. We're going to get moving in here. Warm up, amen. True love will trust and I believe. Oh, it holds me close when there's nothing. Your love is peace. Your love is hope. Father, for your love that lasts forever. It's your mercies anew every morning, Father. We just thank you so much. 
that you throw our sins as far as the east is from the west when we're faithful to repent, Father, before you. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He's been the footman in the fire time after time. Upon of his spirit, washed in his blood. And what he did for me on Calvary is more than enough. Because I trust in you can trust in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that he will never leave you, never forsake you. He will never fail. His promises are yes and amen. We can trust in him.
saw the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I saw the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I saw the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I saw the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I saw the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I saw the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. Cause I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail, he will never fail. been good to me so good to me so good to me oh my So good. 
answer to the hopeful future, to the dreams to come. And when the seasons change, oh, I won't give up, cause you never failed me. No, not once, I'm dancing north, oh, the rising sun. To the hopeful future, to the dreams to come, and when the seasons change, though I won't give up, cause you never failed me. Hallelujah, I 
step for a heart singing hallelujah hallelujah so I throw up my hands I'll praise you again and again cause all that I have is a yesterday, what's going to happen tomorrow, no matter the trials that we're going through, the problems that we're facing, Father, you're still worthy of it all. You're still worthy of our praise. No matter what our flesh feels like, no matter what our head feels like, no matter if we're sick, if we're in trouble, if we're in, in, in dire straits, it doesn't matter. Just as Paul and Silas was, was in, the, in the, the tombs, in the, in the bottom of the dungeon, and they just still praised you and glorified you. Father, we're going to lift you up. I know they didn't feel like it, but they praised you anyway, God, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to praise you this morning no matter what. Amen. Come on, my soul, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. you got a lion inside of those lungs, get up and praise the Lord. I said, come on, my soul, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Again and again, 
hope that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah, and I know it's not much, nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Just lift up your hallelujah to Him. Lift up your praise to Him. Lift up your worship to Him. Oh, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And say, let everything that's doing good and everything that's everything's perfect. That's when you need to praise Him. It says, let everything that has breath praise the King. Your God is not determined by your circumstances. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. He's still King. He still deserves your praise. He still deserves your worship. He still deserves all the honor and the glory. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God. Just remember that. No matter what's going on in the beginning, there was God. And in the end, there is God. All that is in between is in His hands. He's in control. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forgotten about you. Oh, yeah. So I throw my hands praise you again and again and all that I have is a hallelujah hallelujah and I know it's not much nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah hallelujah and I throw up my hands and praise you again and again cause all that I have is a hallelujah hallelujah so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, I'm nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, praise the King. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Oh, 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 oh,
none like There is none like you, none like you, the faithful one. There is none like you, oh. There is none like you, none like you, you're the faithful one, oh there is none like you, none like you, you're the faithful one, Jesus, oh is good. There is none like you, oh, none like you, the faithful one. There is none like you, none like you, faithful I feel impressed of the Holy Spirit right now to stop for a moment. As we begin to sing that song, the word faithful just kind of, almost like a billboard in my mind just came forward. And I felt the Holy Spirit saying, some of you need to hear this right now. He is 
faithful. Some of you are going through some issues right now and some difficulties, some trials, some unexplained things that does not change who He is. He is faithful. There's some of you who are going to be facing some things in the very near future that you don't even know about. And you're going to be sitting there like, where did this come from? How? What is this all about? And I want to tell you, He is faithful. He is faithful on behalf of His people, those who are after Him, who are going after Him, who, who love Him with all that's within. He is faithful. He will not turn His back. He will not run away. He will not quit on you. Listen to me. The enemy has been lying to some people and you've been saying, God, where are you in this? I, I just don't understand why this is taking place. I don't understand why this is happening at this time. It does not matter what is taking place. It does not matter what's taking happening at that moment. It does not change the fact that our God is faithful. He is faithful to his people. I, I'm just telling you, there, there's just... I, I feel like just right now, even the fact that there's some of you, you've been struggling about an issue or circumstance or whatever. You've not lost your, your sight in that you love God, but the enemy's been lying to you. And I want to break that thing off of you this morning. I just feel like the Holy Spirit says this is the moment right now. I know we have a guest minister here today, but Jesus is preeminent here. The Holy Spirit is preeminent, and, and I'm just going to be obedient to that. And if that fits you, if you are struggling, you're, you're, you're uh, wrestling with something, you're dealing with, and the enemy's lying to you, that God has forgotten about you. He's He's not intervening. He's not what I don't know what He's telling you, but you need to be reassured this morning. I just want you to come quickly. We're going to pray for you. Come quickly. I'm not going to wrestle with this all morning. I'm just going to say, come, and this is going to be your opportunity. Step forward enough so that we can have some people from the prayer ministry team and leaders come stand behind you and pray. I said he's faithful he's faithful he's faithful I don't care what you see in the natural I don't care what you what you're seeing and say but this is reality God is faithful and he will not forget those who are called by his name come on now come on come on come on I want some of you who know that God is faithful. You know how, how how faithful God is. Come on. Come on. Come on up here and start praying with some of these. Start praying for them right now. Just, just extend your hands towards them, those of you that are out there. You say, what is this all about? I don't understand this. Because we're just being led of the Spirit of God. And, and God is faithful. There's some of you, you're about to enter into a season, listen to me, a season, a period of time that will be trying your faith. God said, I'm faithful. Do not let go of my hand. Do not give up hope. 
The Bible says when the Son of Man returns, will he find faithfulness or faith in the earth? This is the time for the church to stand strong and to show that it doesn't matter what my outside looks like. It doesn't matter what my outside circumstances look like. But God is faithful. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Father. Right now, Father. Oh, there is none there is none like you. You're the faithful one, Jesus. Oh, there is none like you. You're the faithful one. Show yourself strong. Oh, there is none like you. Oh, none like you. You're the faithful one. Oh, there is none like you. None like you. Faithful in the name of Jesus we come against the spirit of fear the spirit of fear that would try and place itself upon your people oh God 
Fear and trust cannot remain together. They're not roommates. Father, when we say we trust you because you're the faithful one, then fear has no place. There is no occupancy for fear. And we cast out that spirit of fear now. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. That spirit of fear is a direct lie to the promise of God. Father, in Jesus' name, those who are battling fear and apprehension and anxiety, in Jesus' name, we rebuke it right now. We break your hold and we speak the peace of God that passes understanding. Come upon them. Let the joy of the Lord be released from their mouth. God, let them dance before you. Let them rejoice before you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Faithful one. Faithful one, for oh, there is none like you, Lord, none like you. Faithful one, Jesus, for oh, there is none like you, none like you. Oh, the faithful one. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Ora basata basata. I feel like I need to say this last part too. That is that God rewards faithfulness. What does the Bible say when we stand before Him? He will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now we, we know that that's when we're standing before Him. We, we all desire to hear that. But He says... I reward faithfulness even in this life. I, that's not the reason or motive to serve. But it is a it is the lanyap. It's the it's that that bonus blessing. He is faithful and he rewards faithfulness and he does it in ways. Listen, he's gonna do it in ways that are unexpected. You say, why unexpected? Because that's the way he likes to do it. <laughs> he, he likes to bless. He likes to minister. He likes to reward his faithful ones. And he'll do it in the way that he sees fit. Can we just give him praise this morning? Father, we just thank you that you're so faithful. Even when we're not, you are always faithful, Lord God. But Father, we creating us a heart that desires to be faithful towards you, Lord. To, that God, that just, we're just 
just overwhelmed by your mercy and your grace and your compassions for they're fresh and new each and every day and we thank you for that lord we thank you for that and father we thank you for this day we thank you for the privilege of being alive that means god that you have a purpose for our lives today that god there are god ordained appointments on on calendars today and so father help us to realize that we've come into this place not as consumers but as participators in worshiping you and and encouraging one another and ministering and blessing one another but god now we say holy spirit open our hearts open our minds speak to us concerning that which you would have for us for the glory of the name of jesus and his kingdom here on earth we pray in his holy name amen amen praise the lord thank you worship team we love you appreciate you so much hallelujah well praise god good to see you this morning i, I don't want to pat myself on the back but i called it last sunday didn't i <laughs> three people remember i was up here in short sleeves it was hot, remember? We had AC running, and I said, I'm doing this because next week it's going to be freezing, right? That's why I got a coat on. <laughs> it was cold, amen, but I'm glad you're here this morning. Welcome to Life Church. We're just, we're just you know, people who are in love with Jesus and want what he has and what the Holy Spirit wants, and that's all that really matters, really. It's just Jesus. He's, he's the primary thing. So we welcome you, and we're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, in just a moment, uh, I, I will make, I know my daughter didn't ask me to do this, but she will say this, that uh, today's the last day to buy tickets for um, the pulled pork uh, um, deal next weekend and uh, to help send kids to camp and so if you haven't done that contact them or find somebody who's selling tickets or whatever I don't have anything to do with that except cooking you you in charge all right Kurt right there he's in charge you want tickets go see him right there and uh, um, it, and I'm looking ahead and, and it's going to be in the 70s next week Thank goodness. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, so we're glad that you're here. And um, we're getting ready to introduce our guest this morning. But I do want to take a moment and just talk to you about uh, your faithfulness and in, in, in giving of tithes and offerings. The Bible says we pay tithes and we give offerings and alms. And, and so uh, we have different ways of doing that. We don't pass a bucket necessarily here. Though at the end of the service, as you leave, there will be ushers at the doors and they will have an offering bag. And that offering bag is for our guest ministers this morning, uh, Bob and Lisa Holloway. And, and every penny that goes in those, those bags will be uh, for their ministry. Uh, but the tithes and offerings, the Bible says bring your tithes into the storehouse. Um, that, that the needs and, and the blessings that will be there. I just can't overemphasize that, how important that is. And there's no reason we can't do that now. So there's envelopes on the back of the chairs. There's some on the boxes. You can drop it in the box on the way out, or you can download an app from Tithely, either on Android phone or an iPhone. 
And uh, also, you can give by texting, and you can give on the website. So, I mean, there's just no reason why that you, you can't do that, you know. And so, uh, it, I use the app. It's just so much easier for me as soon as that it, it, the money is there that, you know, God provides, boom, it's in. And, and uh, it's so easy to do. In fact, at the end of service, or even, you know, I don't want to say even now, but if you want to give to the Holloways uh, in the app, when you go to it, it, it defaults to tithes. But if you'll look, there's a drop-down menu. And the next thing right underneath it says uh, offering, and it says Bob and Lisa Holloway. Special offering, Bob and Lisa Holloway. So you can give, or you can give on the app uh, to their ministry, uh, uh, the, the work that God's called them to. And so, I am so thrilled to have Bob and Lisa here. I haven't seen you in a long time, and I won't take. The, I've told you part of the story. I was with Bob on a mission trip in Venezuela in 1992. And there was a coup attempt, and uh, we were stuck in a hotel for several days, military people all over the place. And the first day we get out to go eat real food besides potato chips and soda, because that's all we could buy in the hotel. Everybody on the team's going, I'm never going on a mission trip again. I'm, as soon as I get, if, if we can ever get home, I'm never, I'm never leaving. And Bob's sitting on my left shoulder, and, he, and, and I remember somebody said, I don't know why this is happening. And he said, I do. He said, God needed a few more days to break my heart for these people. And I will never forget that day. And I said, and, and I saw him, him come home and talk to his family, and I saw the path that God led, and they have been so faithful in where God has called them. So it is, I've never been at a church and had you come speak since that event. And so I am so thrilled to have followed y'all for all these years, what you've been doing, but so thrilled to have you here in Lafayette with us. And I just want you to make them feel at home this morning as they come. Would you do that and let them know that you're there appreciated? Well, we're honored to be here this morning. Last night, we got to come and speak to the student ministry boot camp. It was awesome. I guess that's what y'all call it, something like that. And it was great. They made us feel young again. But uh, we're excited to see what God's doing in this group of people right here, that he, how he's going to use them. Um, yeah, Pastor Bob, that was... 31 years ago, well, we've been missionaries for 31 years, so it's 32 years ago that we were in Venezuela, and I, that's an unforgettable trip. Uh, <laughs> doesn't happen too often you get caught in a coup attempt on a missions trip with a bunch of teenagers, um, and one of the girls was from our youth group there in Leesville. We were youth pastors in Leesville at the time, and uh, I just spoke to her couple of weeks ago on the phone and she was reminiscing about that exact same trip and saying how she knew then that God did not call her to be a missionary. <laughs> so there's only certain goofy people in the world that 
hear God's voice in those types of situations, and I guess we're it. But I did go home and see my lovely bride, and I told her what I felt God spoke to my heart, and she said, let's go. And she has been right there in the thick and thin of battle uh, for 31 years of missions. We have lived in Mexico, Costa Rica, Venezuela, and now we live in Cusco, Peru. Uh, so it's been a journey, and it's, it's been a, full of adventures, full of heartaches, full of joys, full of all kinds of things. But you know, it's like I got to share with the, the students last night. It's about being faithful to what God has asked you to do. Amen. Uh, we've all got different callings. And we're excited about what God is doing in Cusco, Peru. We were in Venezuela for 17 years. And then uh, due to the the politics of the nation, the, uh, the Assemblies of God pulled all of the missionaries out of Venezuela back in 2016. So we ended up in Cusco, Peru. Um, it is a different world altogether. It's still in Latin America, but we're de dealing with a whole different people group. We work with the Quechua Indians of Cusco, Peru. Now, if you don't know where Cusco is, go watch The Emperor's New Groove. Y'all know that movie? Yeah. Um, but Cusco is high in the Andes Mountains. We live at about 11,000 feet altitude. And according to the government webpage, there are 5,126 population centers in the state of Cusco, Peru. If we were to take every evangelical group com and combine them all, we might have 600 churches in that among that 5,126 uh, communities. That means we have over 4,000 communities that have no evangelical witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got a lot of work to do. And there's not enough North American missionaries to fill that gap and to make that happen. But God has placed something on our heart. We are working to raise up native Quechua speakers to go into these hard-to-reach places. You see, some of these communities, you have to walk for three days to get to them or ride a donkey. It, it's, they're difficult. They live in hard places. They speak a very difficult language. My wife and I, we've been, we've been working at it now for a number of years to, to learn Quechua. If I'd have done it when I was in my 30s, I think I could have pulled it off. But I started in my 50s, and things aren't working quite like they used to. <laughs> so we're not fluent in Quechua. So we have to use translators. But God has just put on our heart to raise up national Quechua speakers. They understand the language. They understand the culture. And really, it is their right as sons and daughters of God to step up and plant churches among their own people. They need to participate in the work, in the great commission of go into all the world and preach the gospel. So there's a lot of obstacles to this. I already mentioned one, which, was, which is um, location, hard to reach places. But there's another one, and that is illiteracy. Where we live at, there's a large portion of them that cannot read and write. Something that's even more dangerous those that can read and write don't read and write, so their comprehension level is very, very low. We have seen pastors in churches who take Scripture and they're not uh, really revealing the truth of Jesus in those Scriptures. 
they're taking one word out of a passage of scripture and just focusing on that one word when there's a whole doctrinal issue presented in, in a chapter. And they will take anything off the radio. It doesn't matter who, who put it out there. There's Christian radio stations, and there's all kinds of groups out there proclaiming things on the Christian radio station, and they will take that, and they will just take it back to their church and spout it out, not knowing whether it's truth or not. So God has given us this great tool. It's called orality or biblical storytelling. Last night, I got to share with the students. I actually told them a story from Scripture, and they got to see an example of how we use orality to evangelize and disciple and raise up leaders. Now, today, I'm not going to necessarily do an orality session with y'all because they got to do the questions and the answers and everything. So we tell Bible stories. That is the way that they have learned all through their lives. It is natural to them to learn through storytelling. So we tell stories, they listen, and then we discuss the Scripture. We ask questions. We need to know what they, what they understood of the story that we told them. And we call it Holy Spirit time because we begin to see the Holy Spirit reveal things to them through His Word. And it's exciting. We've seen all kinds of um, progress as their minds and their understanding to Scripture is being opened up because we are teaching them in a way that is natural to them and that they really understand. So here's the exciting part. We've been pushing orality for a number of years throughout Latin America in various uh, countries that we've lived in, and there's always kind of been a resistance to it because People hear about biblical storytelling and immediately their mind goes to, oh, children's church. And that's where they leave it right there. But recently, the Assemblies of God of Peru, the national leadership said, why don't you come to the capital city and show us what this orality stuff is? And we're going to hold a conference for you. They expected 50 people to show up. We had 150 show up. Pastors from all over the nation of Peru came to hear about orality and what's going on. And there was a, such excitement generated from this three-day event that the national church came to us and said, okay, we want you to open oral Bible schools all over the country. Well, that caught us flat-footed because they've been pushing back against us for so long, and now all of a sudden they want pedal to the metal, and they want oral Bible schools opened up. And they told us, they said, if you will open these oral Bible schools, we will credential the people who graduate. Now, some of y'all might be thinking, okay, you're going to send them to children's church to teach them some stories and give them papers. They have to learn 200 stories. How many of y'all got 200 stories from the Bible memorized? Didn't think so. <laughs> because it's not your natural way to learn it is natural for them, so they pick up the stories a whole lot easier than we do sometimes here. So we began to teach them these stories. We've opened a, an oral Bible school in Cusco, Peru. We actually just had our third cycle two weeks ago in the city of Cusco. People are coming. I want to give you a testimony. We were looking for a building to purchase so that we could have an oral Bible school in. Cusco, Peru is a very expensive city. The reason is, 
you probably have heard of Machu Picchu, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. Well, that's right there where we live at. People from all over the world come for tourism to Cusco, Peru. Most of it is spiritual tourism that is very dark. We have witchcraft schools in Cusco, Peru, a lot of yoga and shamanism and all kinds of things. Americans and Europeans have come into Cusco and purchased large tracts of land and has driven the prices sky high. So we couldn't afford anything. I mean, we literally looked at pieces of property that were in the $2 million range, $1 million range, and there wasn't even electricity and water on the property. So we kept looking, kept looking. A number of months ago, a building was presented to us by uh, a man in a church. And I'll tell you the history of this building. It was built, it's a three-story building on an acre of land. The bottom two floors have hotel rooms with private bathrooms and everything. The top floor was a stripper's club. I'm not, so you can let your imagination go of what the hotel rooms were all about. Due to COVID, this building was never used for the purposes that it was intended for. So here's this owner of this building. I mean, this building had the lights upstairs. It had the stripper pole. It had everything. It was ready for business. Thank God for COVID, huh? <laughs> At least in that situation. In that situation, it was good. So we met with the owner. He's having to pay payments on this building. It's never been able to be used. And he signed a two-year lease with us that we could rent this building. So we took out all the king-size beds in the rooms down below and all the, the flashing, colorful lights. We put in bunk beds. We cut out the stripper pole and everything. And now we have enough beds to house 64 students in those hotel rooms. They each have their private bath. And that top floor is now filled with chairs for a classroom. And that is where we teach the stories of Jesus. That's a great testimony, amen? The owner of the building gave his life to Jesus. Him and his live-in girlfriend got married, and now they want to come to the Bible school and learn the stories of Jesus as well. Amen? And here's an awesome part of that. He's willing to sell this building to us for $400,000. That is dirt cheap in Cusco, Peru. So church, pray with us. Be willing to give if God lays that on your heart. Amen. I'm not going to sit up here and pound for money. It's in God's hands. But God uses people just like y'all. Amen. So pray with us. We do want to purchase this piece of property and have a permanent place to call home for the Oral Bible School of Cusco, Peru. We've got other communities now in Peru asking us come and help us start a Bible school, an oral Bible school. The leadership of the Assemblies of God of Bolivia came and they said, come and help us start oral Bible schools in our country. I got an email two weeks ago. The leadership of Colombia has contacted us and said, come and help us open oral Bible schools. People are beginning to realize that this, there's a validity to this way of presenting the gospel and training people because we primarily work with indigenous people, tribal groups from jungles and mountains and all over the place. 
and a typical traditional Bible school degree is not going to help them because, first of all, they're not going to go to the capital city to study. It's too expensive. They don't want to leave home. Second of all, the very few that do go to the capital city to, to study, they decided, I like it here, and they don't go home and share what they learned in Bible school. So this is a perfect solution to these problems. We are going to raise up these 4,000 church planters. Amen? Oh, and I forgot to tell you about this. Also, to graduate from our oral Bible school, in case any of y'all are curious and want to come attend, you have to learn the 200 stories, and you have to go out and plant a church. That's part of the deal to graduate. So that's, that's how, how we're working with that. So thank you for praying for us, first of all. There's some prayer cards out on your missions emphasis table in the foyer. Please pick one up. Take it home. Pray for us. Pray for the Quechua people. Pray that God will give us wisdom and strength as we begin to travel to all these different countries to open oral Bible schools. We have a team there in Cusco, and uh, we need more people to help get this thing going. I also want to present another prayer request to you. Uh, we have a family from the tech, from North Texas District who works with us there in Cusco. They have three children, and recently their 18-year-old daughter started having headaches and vomiting for like 10 straight days. She couldn't stop. She ended up in the ICU there in Cusco, Peru. They have done bone marrow tests. They've been doing all kinds of things. They eventually, they, um, in fact, a week ago today, she arrived in Texas, medevaced out by a airplane. She arrived in Texas. She has been in ICU. They're still trying to do tests. They don't know exactly what's going on. They did find some blood clots on her brain. She's 18 years old. She needs God to reveal to doctors what's going on because they still can't figure out what's going on with her. So pray for her. Her name is Emma. Emma Harper. She's 18 years old. She is in Temple, Texas in the hospital and just pray that God will spare her life and give this family peace, provide for their needs, because all these air flights and everything has not been cheap. So thank you for praying for Emma. How many of y'all believe that we live in a crazy world? Look at there. How many of y'all ready for Jesus to come back? There we go. <laughs> now we're getting some excitement. I think we're all ready for Jesus to come back. I grew up in the church in the 70s when Thief in the Night and Distant Thunder came out. I mean, I, <laughs> some of y'all remember those movies. We've been living this expectation for a lot of years, haven't we? And we've been, when's this going to happen? I mean, I went to a radical church in Dallas, Texas, where they told us that we needed to hide Bibles in our home and stuff up in the air-conditioning vents and stuff like that because the secret police were coming at any moment and they were going to come and take over and try to arrest us and stuff. And that's what I grew up with in the 70s. So we've all been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. How many of y'all got a little jump in your spirit when the... When the Hezbollah or Hamas invaded Israel. Yeah? 
Another sign, huh? And we get, we get excited for a moment, and now it's kind of like, okay, the politicians are going to figure this out. <laughs> but I always think back to World War II when over 6 million Jews were exterminated in, in concentration camps, and I know for a fact that during that time that the Christian church had to have been saying it can't get any worse than this. Jesus has to come back any moment now. And they got all excited again. And here we are, 2024, you know, 70-something years later, and still waiting. And sometimes we get tired of the waiting, don't we? And I think that word this morning, faithfulness, it's not just God who's faithful. He's looking for faith, a faithful church as well, a faithful bride and this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about, I hope I encourage you this morning. You know, Jesus' disciples, if you were to read in Matthew chapter 24, 25, don't need to open your Bibles. You can go home this afternoon and read Matthew 24 and 25 and fact check me. But I want to tell you some stories this morning but in Matthew 24, Jesus is walking with disciples, and they begin to ask him the same questions. When are you coming back? What, what do we look for? What's the signs? And those signs have been the watermark for the church for all these centuries. Wars, rumors of wars, famine, pestilence, earthquakes. Um, and an interesting thing, one of the, the first thing Jesus said was great deception, so he gave us all of these signs, and we've been looking at those signs, but something else is interesting to me. At the end of Matthew chapter 24, he, gives, he starts telling stories. And the first story, there is a landowner who was going on a long trip, and he left one of his servants in charge of all the other servants. He was to provide their needs. He was to to take care of this household as if the manager, if the owner was not even gone. Everything was supposed to continue as normal. But the longer that the owner waited, took in returning, this manager got tired of waiting, and it says that he began to take advantage of and abuse those he was left in charge of. And it said he started partying. And that tells me that this manager lost his purpose. He lost focus on the purpose of why he was left there in the first place. Flip over to Matthew 25, and Jesus starts with the second story, and it's this parable of ten virgins or ten maidens who were left to wait for the bridegroom to come for a wedding. Now, back in those days, the bridegroom would go and he would build his house right before the wedding, and then he would come and get his bride. They would have a big feast, and then he would take her to the home that he had just prepared for her. So this story, there's 10 of them. They're waiting for the bridegroom. They're waiting for the big feast. But the longer they waited, five of them didn't have enough oil and their, the flame was going out in their lamp. 
And I call this that they lost their passion. They lost their fire. We go to the next story in Matthew chapter 25, and again, Jesus is telling the story of a landowner who went on a trip. This time he didn't leave someone in charge. He left gifts for three of his servants. In the, in the scripture, it's called talents. It was a money, but he left gifts. He left five with one, three with another, and one with another. We know the stories. Two of them invested. They doubled their money. The landowner, when he finally returned, he was happy. But the third one buried the coin that he was given because he had a wrong viewpoint of the master. And he was not productive with what the master left him to do. So I read these three stories in light of the signs of the times that were given. Some of these people did not know how to wait well. So my question for you this morning is, do you, are we waiting well? Are we doing what the master left us to do? Do we still have our purpose, church? Do we still have our passion, church? Are we still productive? So this morning, I want to tell you stories from the mission field to encourage you to wait well, because you know what? There is a purpose in the waiting. The master is not yanking our chain. There's a purpose behind all of this waiting. And if we understand, or if we can see that the master is purposefully doing this, maybe we can wait better, amen? So, I'm going to go back a few years. We were in Venezuela. We, at this time, we were living in the Amazon rainforest in the jungles. You could take the southernmost road in the nation of Venezuela, reach the end of it, and there you would get on a boat and take a boat eight hours, and you could get to our house. We were in the sticks. We was in the bayou. Well, from where we lived at, we got on our boat, and we traveled five days up the river to a group called the Yanomami Indians. Now, these, these were a people group. They still ran around naked in the jungle. They had sticks in their noses like this. They, had, they put flowers in their ears. They would put holes in their ears and stick flowers in them. This was a very primitive tribal group, and God blessed us with being the first ones to ever preach the gospel to some of them. So we're going up the river, and thank God for my Speed the Light boat. I had a boat that was 60 foot long. It was only six foot wide, but I could put a lot of stuff in there. It would hold about seven and a half tons. So we're going up the river to this Yanomami village, and we come across these canoes full of Yanomami. Who, they're paddling against the current. I had motors, so they flagged us down, asked for a ride. And we put 40 Yanomami Indians in our boat. And we're going up the river. And I'm back in the back driving the motors, driving. And I just noticed this 
lady laying in the bottom of my, my boat. Her thighs were probably no bigger around than my wrist. She was thin. She had no energy. She was just laying there lifeless in the bottom of my boat. And I found out why. The Yanomami, once you become unproductive in their society, you can't work the gardens, you can't go hunting, you can't take care of the babies, you can't cook. They just stop feeding you. That's the retirement program with the Yanomami. And she was literally starving to death, laying in the bottom of my boat. And my heart went out for her. So when we got to their village, I went and I asked the family, I said, can I talk to her? And they allowed me in, and through an interpreter, I talked to her for about 40 minutes about the Creator God who sent His Son to die for her so that she could spend eternity with Him. And at the end of the conversation, she said a prayer, and she accepted the Creator God's Son into her heart. So why do I tell you this? Because she's part of the reason for the waiting church. You know, God said that he would that none should perish. There are we, we have to realize that in those same verses in Matthew chapter 24, exactly in verse 14, it says this gospel will be preached to all peoples and then the end will come. That's part of the waiting is getting the gospel out there, getting as many people as possible to hear about the love of the creator God and his son who came to give his life for them. So church, there is a reason for the waiting. And you're part of it. You're part of it. When you give to missions, you give, I go, and she hears. And together, together, we're going to get this thing done. Amen? Together, we're going to fulfill the Great Commission. Well, fast forward to Peru, where we're at now. I'm going to tell you about Maria. She was a, a beautiful little Quechua lady, probably 62 when we met her. And, but her husband left her, and she became an alcoholic. And she became a hardcore alcoholic. I'm talking about laying face down in the dirt, drunk every day of her life. She didn't care about anything. Her children left her. We heard stories from the townspeople about her. When my wife and I met her, she was sleeping in someone's chicken house on the dirt floor. But God got a hold of Maria and saved her. And I nicknamed her Smiley because she had this great big huge grin on her face. And every morning about five in the morning you could go down to the central plaza of the town that we lived in. And you could find Maria down there praying for people, telling people about Jesus, loving on them, and encouraging them. Church, Maria right now is battling with tuberculosis and she's probably going to get to heaven before we do. But you know what? She is part of the waiting She's part of the reason why we're still here in church. We need to give God praise for that kind of a thing, that we get to participate in what he's doing. Amen? Amen. You know, in those stories, there were people picked for the jobs that they were done, had to do. People were picked. Those ten bridesmaids were picked. The people given the talents were picked. And we've been picked. Amen?
We've been chosen to do something for the Lord, to do a service for the Lord. I can tell you about Erasmo and Raimunda. They have great names there in Cusco. Erasmo and Raimunda was this couple. Now, i got to set this up, kind of. In Peru, they like big brass bands. I equate them, if you've ever seen the band in, on Andy Griffith, that's, that's what I equate them with. They're not that great. But they love big brass bands. The reason is because every wedding, every funeral, every festival to the corn gods, every festival to the wheat gods, there's a big brass band playing. And um, they have fiddle players in with the big brass bands. I don't know why, but they do. So a lot of these people join the, the band not so much because they're interested in music and not because they're talented, but because the band members get all they can drink for free. And sometimes these weddings will go on for a whole week of celebration with the band out there playing for a week. Can you imagine what the Andy Griffith band sounds like after a week of drinking? It's not good. So Erasmo was in the band. He was a fiddle player. He wasn't that good. But he was good at drinking. He became well known for his drinking escapades. People told me, they said, oh yeah, he would wander home naked because he lost his clothes, he lost his fiddle, he lost everything. He was just a crazy example of what the band could become. So Erasmo, we, the town that we lived in is at 11,800 feet altitude. Erasmo's house was at 13,600 feet altitude, so good little climb. He would, they, they walked back and forth to town. Well, Raimunda, while Erasmo's out playing in the band and getting drunk, Raimunda was at home taking care of 12 children by herself, trying to run the farm, trying to keep the animals alive because they raise sheep, they grow potatoes, they grow lima beans and corn and all kind of stuff. Raimunda was depressed. She wanted to die. She just told us life didn't mean nothing to me. The only thing that kept her going was there was 12 kids depending on her. But she was depressed. Well, I want to tell you, Erasmo and Raimunda met Jesus. And they got saved and they started going to church. Now, I told you where they live at, they would walk three times a week down to church, hour and a half to walk down there, two hours to get home because it's uphill all the way. And they started walking back and forth to church and falling in love with Jesus. And Erasmo brought his fiddle, and he started playing his fiddle in the church, and he is getting better. Raimunda, she's not depressed anymore. She comes to church and she sings and she claps her hands and she's happy. We were blessed that we were there for their baptism. We were there for, the, for their wedding celebration. But I told Erasmo, I said, you guys are killing yourselves walking back and forth to church. Let's plant a church in your community. Well, the week before we came back on itineration this time, we went up in their community, and we were able to celebrate the first anniversary of their church. Amen. 
Now, where we live at, they still plow their fields with oxen. That's how backwards it is where we live at. So Erasmo got too sick to manage the oxen anymore, so he sold them. He cleaned out the stalls where he kept the oxen. He hung a sheet of plastic over, over that open side, and that's where the church is at. And we got to go that first anniversary. There were 40 people cram, crammed into that ox stall, and all 12 of their children were in there worshiping Jesus as well. Church, there's a reason behind the waiting. Amen. God is still, amen. Give, give God a hand. He's still in the business of redeeming people. He's still in the business of saving the ones that we look at and say they're not savable. Here's a couple named Guido and Theophila. They were good pagan Catholics. Now, I know in South Louisiana people can get offended at that, but let me explain. Yeah. In Peru, people are Catholic because their parents told them they were, not because they necessarily believed in anything. And I call them pagan because most of your Catholic people still follow the traditional Incan religious ceremonies. They're very animistic. They still give offerings to the sun and to the moon and to Mother Earth. They do pagan festivals. So Guido and Theophilo were good pagan Catholics, lived way up in the mountains in a small community, and Theophilo went to church and got saved. She met Jesus, and she, she got saved to the bone. And Guido, he wasn't too happy about it, because being the good pagan Catholic that he was, he said, you're going to anger the gods. Our crops are going to fail. Our animals are going to die. You need to quit going to church. Well, she didn't. She kept push the button. <laughs> so Guido decided I'm gonna stop her from going to church and began to beat her when she came home from church. Well, I told y'all she got saved. She get, took her beating and went back to church. She kept going to church even though her husband was, he was getting angrier and angrier and beating her worse and worse every time. So one day, Theophila comes home from church and he'd had enough. You're destroying our name in the community with this crazy religion of yours. You've angered the spirits. Our animals are dying. Our crops are not, not flourishing. And he grabbed his wife by her hair. Now, you got to understand, these Quechua women have very long hair. They're proud of their hair. And it's very thick. And he grabbed her by her hair. And he's literally dragging her across the pasture. And he told me with his own mouth, I was going to drown her. Because she made the spirits mad, and I had to do away with her. On his way to the lake to drown his wife... Guido went stone-cold deaf. Now, being the good animus that he was, he thought, well, maybe her gods have a little bit more power than my gods, and he let her go. And she lived through the night. 
He went home, and over the course of a number of weeks of people communicating with him in various ways, because he couldn't hear anything, he was deaf. He said a prayer to Jesus, and I think he said it more out of fear than anything, but he said a prayer, and the moment he did, his ears were opened, and he could hear again. Well, Guido is now a co-pastor of a small church, and he's telling the stories of Jesus. He figured out the gods aren't angry. The only God that counts is pretty pleased. There's a reason for our waiting, church. We can't get discouraged. We can't lose our purpose. We can't lose our passion. We can't stop being productive for the kingdom of God. No matter how crazy it gets. Because according to the rest of the signs that Jesus told us there in Matthew 24, it's going to get worse. It's going to get crazier. We're not going to understand everything. But here's the thing. At the end of chapter 25, Jesus begins to tell them, you saw me and I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. And I didn't have a place to live and you took me in. I didn't have good clothing and you clothed me. And the people said, well, when did that happen? Well, when you've done it to the least of one of these, you've done it to me. Church, all, this all ties together. Jesus was telling his disciples when he told them about the signs of the times, stay alert. Stay alert. But let me tell you some, something else. You need to stay focused on the master and what he's left you to do. These things are going to happen. But he also told a parable about a fig tree. And the bottom line of that is that the fig tree, even in the middle of the turmoil, whenever it comes summertime, it shoots its leaves out and begins to bear fruit. Church, we're called to bear fruit. Amen. Are we waiting well? Are we waiting well? Are you still purposeful in your relationship with Jesus? Are you still passionate about what Jesus has called you to do? Are you being productive with the gifts that he's given to you? The fear, I think, is, at least in my heart, and I think Jesus was leaning towards this, we tend to be, we heard the signs of the times, so we can come to a place where we lock ourselves away and stare out the window and our focus is the signs instead of the purpose that we were left here for anyway. The signs are going to happen no matter what. But we can't lock ourselves away and just focus on, okay, there's wars and rumors of wars. There's famines going on now, pestilences. Why? Because that generates fear. And we begin to just focus on signs instead of the master and why he left you here. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I hope you're encouraged this morning.
God's doing some neat things in Peru. I think he's going to keep doing some even greater things. God's doing neat things in Lafayette, Louisiana. And he wants to do greater things in Lafayette, Louisiana. It's not just overseas that God's moving. He's moving all over the face of the earth where he can find his servants doing what he called them to do. So this morning as we just lift our hands and say, Lord, I want to give myself back to you. Help me, Lord. Help me to be purposeful. And if you're not purposeful this morning, ask him to put purpose back in your heart. Say, God, shake me out of my apathy. Shake me out of the slump I'm in. Make me purposeful for your kingdom, for you. Lord, we all need your passion. God, we need it more and more every day. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to this church. Speak to this church. Let them see your purposes. Let them see your plans. Lord, they need to know that you are, they are part of what you have going on in this earth. That they're not bystanders just waiting for a second coming. They are participants preparing a people for a second coming. We need you, Lord. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't generate this stuff. We don't want to work up an emotion, God. We just want to be faithful to you. Show us how to be faithful to you, Lord. Help us to wait well, Father. To wait on your coming with purpose, with passion. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we sing a worship song about the faithfulness of our God this morning? Just continue to lift your heart before the Lord this morning and, and say, Lord, help me. Help me to wait well. There is none like you. None like you. You're the faithful one. There is none like you. None like you, faithful one. There is none like you, none like you. You're the faithful one, Jesus. There is none like you. 
None like you
I don't know about you, but I was strongly encouraged this morning. And the thought hit me. All those names of people that you mentioned. Those same kind of people live here. They just have different names. You know, we say, oh, but that's because it's overseas and they don't have all the stuff that we have. And Friends, don't believe that lie. If anything, it makes it easier for them to hide behind all that other stuff. There's still people out there and, and they're in the same situation. They're in the same situation. There's marriages that are being destroyed, alcohol, drugs that are killing people. And, and, and I don't care what you say, but witchcraft and everything is still strong. And it's, it's I have a friend in the ministry, a different denomination where they don't even believe in devils. And, uh, but he's always ministering to people who are bound by demonic spirits. And he's been approached by several people in the Lafayette area who are part of a witch coven. They, they found him. And they said, we just want to let you know the reason we're able to flourish right now is because we don't see churches in this area that, that believe in us and are strong enough to even do anything about it. But we already know there, there's your God's getting ready to do something and people are going to be coming through the doors of your churches and you're not even ready. Here's a witch telling a pastor this. They, they, they have that sense. There's something happened. The ground's shaking. God's getting ready to move. And yet most churches, they're sitting there. No. I appreciate the message, Bob and Lisa. I appreciate y'all so much. I love it when that... I, I, don't take this wrong. You won't take it wrong. But in many of those years when we led mission trips, we met many missionaries that weren't doing the work. They were out there more in an administrative kind of style kind of thing and didn't want to get their hands dirty, whatever. I love those stories because it's real and it's right where people are man and and i would love for the reputation of life church in lafayette to say those people are real they're not afraid to get in amongst everybody else and and tell them and let them see jesus in their life and talk to them about jesus you know the bible says we must work while it is day while we have the light because when darkness comes, no one can work. Well, my friends, this is the time to be working. This is the time to be working. And I appreciate y'all so much for your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. The thing he didn't tell you is when God, he went back home and told him, God's called us to Venezuela. And they didn't go to the nice big cities and stuff. They went down, like he said, in the Amazon jungles. And they had two, two, two daughters, right? And both of them had blonde hair. I remember that. I said, I said, just imagine that. And, and coming home and taking those girls and taking them to the jungles. And that didn't stop them. 
That didn't stop them. They said, we're going. And he had to take a roundabout way to get there, but they got there. And they've been faithful. So I I hope you're encouraged this morning. I, I mean, you blessed my socks off, man. Shoot. I, it was a blessing to hear that, to be reminded what God can do, how he wants to transform people's lives. And it doesn't have to be all big and fancy and techy and all that kind of stuff. Tech, technology can be used, but that's not it. It's just people who have a story, who, like you said, have a purpose and a passion, and they're productive. Praise God. That's a good message. Whew. I enjoyed that. There are ushers waiting at the back door, and whatever you put in those offering bags is going to be going to Bob and Lisa and their ministry and what they've called them to do. You can already do it. You can do it online through the app or text it that way. I mean, I've, I've already done it it's in, and sent it. So we want to bless them. And listen, he told you there's prayer cards out there. Bob and Lisa, why don't you go out there and meet the folks as they're coming out? I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but why don't you go out there and catch them as, as they're coming out? And Father, I just thank you, and we just bless you today for your faithfulness. We thank you for the continuity, Lord God, how you just, from beginning to end, from the worship time to the word to, to the message, all flow together without anyone orchestrating it, God, except you. And we just praise you for that. So God, let us take this little truth. We're here for a purpose. We have to have passion for it. And it has to produce something for your glory and for your name. And we thank you for it. Now, I bless these people in the name of Jesus. Let them go forward out of here with the sense of knowing that they're called and that the favor of God rests on them that they might tell others about you, Jesus. We praise you in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. If you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. If you're writing you a check, just make it out to Life Church, and we will give them if one check. If you say still, then I will wait. If you say to trust, I will obey. Teach me how to follow in your ways. Done chasing feelings. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me. If you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. And when you say to jump, I'm diving in. If you say be still, then I will wait. If you say to trust, I will obey. Teach me how to follow my own way. I'm done chasing feelings. Spirit, lead.